RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. At the tone, the time will be 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on a Tuesday night. Assuming you're listening to the sound of the tone, the show is Mission Log Live. And the show is Mission Log Live, and I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray, proving... I really shouldn't write for John without reading to him what I'm writing. Hey, each week, John and I get together for a nice hot cup of talk. Often, though not always, about Star Trek or something Star Trek related. This week, we are happy to have another show from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Represented Jarrah Hodge and Sue Kissenweather will be joining us in a bit. They are two of the women at Warp from the podcast. Wait for it. Women at Warp. Lots to talk about with them tonight, from why Star Trek to why podcasting to uh, toxic fandom. That's a lot of fun. Tons of other stuff that we'll be talking about as well, uh, including, well, that's actually kind of up to you. As always, we want your questions. We want your comments, because remember, we do this show live for the, you know, live bit, the part where you call in and say what you want to say or ask what you want to ask. This show is here for you. That's for how you make your voice heard. You can click on the uh, link. Why do I read this part, John? Why? I Every don't week. I don't, yeah. Yeah. It's like you wrote for me without me reading it or something. <laughs> you can click on the link <laughs> or, or, or not. Uh, you can click on the link to join our zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even call us the old fashioned way. Dial us up six, six, nine, nine hundred six, eight, three, three. That number again, six, six, nine, nine hundred six, eight, three, three. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description. And then you will be uh, delivering your comments as they happen. Ken, as I do, I'd like to take a look at people who are chiming in right off the bat. Uh, Elizabeth saying, good afternoon from Australia. And it's afternoon there. That's no excuse to not hop on the phone or click the Zoom link and chat with us because I would love to chat with somebody on our show tonight from the other side of the planet. That's so Star Trek, right? We should be doing that. Um, we also have Carlos saying hello, Paul, Lars, Kim. Uh, oh, it's some guy named Eugene is stalking us. And then uh, we have Donna, Jason, Matthew, just a, a whole bunch of friendly faces there. So glad to see you and please do join us in the show tonight. So thank you. Whether you're watching here on Facebook or on YouTube, you can do that youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. And thank you to the people who are catching the video later on either Facebook or YouTube. I mean, maybe you don't want to watch. Maybe you just like to listen while you work. Well, we've got you covered there too. We have the audio feed of this show up maybe just a few hours after we're finished talking to you tonight on video. Just search for Mission Log Live wherever you get your podcasts or make it even easier. Go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you will find fine folks and fine shows like Mission Log, like Mission Log Live, like the Trek Files, Priority One. Oh, did I mention a little show called Women at Warp because they are represented here tonight. Hey, and uh, one last request, uh, wherever and whenever you're getting this show, head to the source like, uh, you know, where you see this right now on your screen and hit share because more people watching is more people playing along. And we like that. Ken, speaking of sharing, we had a thing that I wanted to share last week with our audience because I asked them to share with their friends and followers. Remember what I was sharing? Uh, You had that really awesome tricorder from uh, Golden Diamond Thunder Select something. It It was a really cool thing. I don't remember who made it. I'm sorry. Was it Diamond Select? It's a Golden Thunder Diamond uh, Art Asylum video countdown rock show. And nice. uh, I have it right here, the, uh, the classic tricorder. And all I asked people to do just to, uh, to win this thing was to share our video. And 74 of you shared it. Not everybody was public, so they don't show up. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm going to scroll up and down on the screen, and I'm going to click uh, right there. And the winner is Benjamin Moose. Benjamin Moose, you just won yourself a tricorder. So I will send you a message. You can send me your info, and you will get a tricorder in the mail. How about that? That is pretty cool. 
Hey, we're going to meet our guests here in just a moment, as I say, but now is the time to call in and be ready. Again, click on the Zoom link or call 669-900-6833. Pulling from the sometimes we just don't think file, we uh, we do a poll every week. Now, (laughs) hold on, (laughs) because Uh when I say every week, uh, that does mean when we in fact think. Uh, No poll question, unfortunately, this week, because... Uh, we kind of forgot about that until uh, Brandon, our technical director, Brandon, was saying 30 seconds. So, <laughs> uh, but we do have results for last week's poll. Last week, the question was Spock helmet or Migo Gorn? Spock helmet or Migo Gorn? And um, Spock helmet won? I, sure, <laughs> we, we left it up to your interpretation. Maybe that sure. was uh, Spock Helmet or Amigo Gorn, most horrible misstep in Star Trek toy history. Or maybe it's most awesome misstep in Star Trek toy history. Or maybe it's the one you want the most. Or maybe it's the one you have. I don't know. See, it's been a while since I watched that episode. But I think, you know, had I been eligible to vote, which I guess I was, but I didn't anyway. Um, the Migo Gorn is honestly the most impressive because they actually say in the documentary that we uh, watched last week or that we talked about last week um, that all they did with the Spock helmet was just put a Star Trek sticker on it. That was it. That's all they did. Yeah. They had this one toy. I think they might have changed the color, but they put a Star Trek sticker on it. And it was done. To make the Gorn, and I think I said last week, you have no idea how many toys went into that toy. It was something like the body of a Planet of the Apes. It was the head of, um, I guess, one of the bad guys from the Spider-Man line. Mm -hmm. The clothes were from yet another toy. I can't remember which. Nothing was made for that to be the Gorn, (laughs) except combining all the pieces, they made a Gorn. I mean, it's a bit like um, the Mighty Men and Monster Maker or the Droid Factory from Star Wars or... Mm. Um, or people who are just like, well, we want to make a toy, but we don't want to make a toy. So yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But that, that's good uh, because we might have a little more toy talk tonight when we introduce our guests. I mean, our, our subjects can run the gamut. We might have some heavy stuff. We might have some fun stuff, but uh, I know that there are toys involved when we cut to our guests. So I, I look forward to talking about those tonight as well. Ken, should I just go ahead and bring on the fabulous women at warp who are joining us tonight? I- I, I think that's a fine idea, John. Okay. You can find them right here on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, doing the show Women at Warp. They also have a blog. They also make appearances at conventions. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. Joining us tonight, we have Jera Hodge and Sue Kissenweather from, uh, from, from far flung across the country. Jera and Sue, welcome. Thanks for having us. My goodness, you could actually give him uh, our last week's guest to run for his money. What? Okay, that's not all Star <laughs> Trek, though. What do you have behind you? My. Also, I'm, I'm technically in a different country, um, Canada. Yeah. Um, <laughs> True, yes. But, yes. you know, we can't always tell the difference, but this week it feels like we can. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Don't make anyway, me cry. Yeah, I watched your last episode as well as the Netflix episode on the toys and and made me inspired. I was like, let's do this in front of the toy wall today. So yeah, excited. <laughs> this is very nice. What is what is most represented over there, if you don't mind my asking? Because Oh, Star Trek, like the Playmate Star Trek figures. Um, I have you can't see it, but I have like five levels on this shelf. Um, and there's sort of a level of mostly Star Wars and superheroes. Um, a little bit of Doctor Who, Muppets, other random stuff, and then basically the whole rest of it is uh, is Star Trek and mostly Playmates, but I have a bunch of the Art Asylum ones as well. Forgive me, uh, Doctor Who, comma, Muppets, or is there a crossover <laughs> that I didn't know about? No, separate separate action figures. Okay. The Muppet ones are just adorable. Okay, no, that's fine. I, I honestly, I don't know where they are anymore, but I had I had some amazing Judge Dredd characters I absolutely love. They're only about this big, and it's weird. I've never seen them nice. again, but I had the whole collection of that, um, and now I don't. Sad. Ah. Well, that um, is sad. Okay. So I'm hearing a lot of uh, I'm hearing a lot of different science fiction uh, represented behind you, and that's a great way to jump in. I kind of wanted to. I in the beginning when I was trying to decide, you know, where I wanted to go initially with you guys, I didn't know if I wanted to start with the, the Star Trek or the science fiction or start with the podcast. I have a feeling that podcasting might be a shorter answer, so let's go that <laughs> way first. How did how did uh, both of you, or either of you, whoever wants to take it? Um, get into podcasting. 
maybe I'll throw it to Sue there because she started first. <laughs> I did. Um, I started like everyone as a podcast listener and uh, started corresponding with the hosts of the Anomaly podcast. And eventually they asked me to write for their blog. And then I became the blog editor. And then I was guesting on shows. And then all of a sudden, um, a friend and I had a show in their feed. And that went on for, for quite a few years. And um, even concurrently with Women at Warp for the first year or so. And uh, one of our hosts, Women at Warp was really her idea. We had all sort of guested together on other Star Trek podcasts. All Things Trek was the one that really brought us together. And um, our co-host, Andy, is the one who said, why aren't we doing this all the time? At the time, there were no other Star Trek shows hosted all by women. At most, you'd hear maybe one or two on a show where the rest of the hosts were men. And we were all just said, yeah, why don't we do this? And that's sort of what happened. <laughs> a really quick version, anyway. <laughs> Do you think, well, because we'll get into the Star Trek fandom in a moment here. Um, do you think it's, um, do you feel that women are uh, uh, less represented in podcasting in general? And I was to say Star Trek fandom in general, though we know very much so that Star Trek fandom has been so pushed by women. I, I remember you've been on panels with B. Joe Tremble and just, you know, some of the greats who who really saved Trek when everybody thought it was over in 1969. Um, but I wonder if, did, did you think that that was going to be any sort of an uphill battle? You just felt like, Hey, I've, I've got a voice that I want to be heard. I want to engage in a conversation. So let's do it. I think having the experience of being on another show that was again, all hosted by women sort of broke down that barrier. You know, I already knew how to get started. I knew how to talk to our podcast host and what needed to be done to set up. And, um, you know, in terms of podcasting, I think I don't know the numbers because I didn't know we would go here tonight, but there definitely are fewer uh, podcasts hosted completely by women. Um, there are a lot of podcasts hosted by men and somewhere there are, are joint ventures rather. Um, but the, the women only shows are definitely a lot less than the others. Uh, but in terms of Star Trek fandom, you know, it depends on where you go. But generally, when you go to a convention, if that crowd's not about 50-50, there might even be more women. And sometimes it depends on on what the focus is. I think um, I'm, I, in my life, I'm very anti-stereotype, but I do think we tend to different parts of fandom. Mm -hmm. um, so in general, I think you're going to find a lot more women around things like fan fiction and fan creations, and you're going to find um, more men around things like trivia contests. And that's not a hard line, but it's, it's an experience that I have had. Yeah, I think that's that sort of plays out in how I see it, too. Um, I think that there's um, obviously a, a really long tradition of women in Star Trek fandom and uh, fan art, fan fiction, convention organizing. Um, I think that part of the thing with um, podcasts is... Um, it's not something that was immediately obvious to people how to do it. So um, it's seen there's like maybe a bit of a technical barrier there. That's we found it pretty easy to overcome. Um, but also just that women aren't necessarily trained and supported to put themselves forwards as experts on a subject. And often in fandom, they get the reaction. Well, if you don't know, like the, the, registration number on this starship then you're not a real fan kind of stuff um that i think they get more often so there's i think some hesitation to jump into that realm as well as just not as much um encouragement um in terms of seeing other people in those roles support it being mentored into those roles in podcasting as well as like uh you know convention panels and stuff those are the places where you really see the gender imbalance when you are trying to put people in front of an audience and um having uh people put themselves forward as experts on the subject 
talking just really quickly on the podcast thing that's frustrating to me just across the board oh, yeah. um i remember a guy a long time ago telling a crowd of people who were thinking about getting into podcasting that they could do it for as little as five thousand dollars and i'm like well I mean, and the thing is here's the thing he's a millionaire i mean this guy is literally a millionaire so he went out and bought like all the best stuff that he could possibly find right and then did the numbers and said oh and that didn't cost me more than five thousand dollars and thought that that was an encouraging thing for anybody else Whereas I figure people are going to be packing up their stuff. In the meantime, I was talking to somebody just a couple of weeks ago who was asking me questions about how to get into podcasting. And he had gone to someplace. I can't remember where, but like someplace that actually produces media. And I want to say they quoted him a very, what seemed to them reasonable price of between eight and $10,000 per episode. So now um, I think if there's money to be made, a lot of times that's going to be a barrier. And then of course it does get a thousand times worse. You're right. When somebody. Can we shed some light on that cost real quick? (laughs) Well, that's why go ahead. Yes, please do. uh, The mic that it looks like both you and I are using Ken, the the Yeti uh, from blue runs about a hundred bucks on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But you can podcast with a mic that is much less expensive. In fact, there's a podcast that has won awards that uses one of those mics that plugs into their iPhone and they record conversations in a bar. It's great. That's um, the Reduce Shakespeare Company podcast. Oh, yeah, they're great. Right. <laughs> so and editing and recording software for the most part either comes free with your computer or you can download some shareware for free. So no cost there. And your basic hosting package, if you're not uploading heavy files, five bucks a month. There's yeah, a, it's, not the cost barrier that people want you to think is there. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're in it to make money. So they're not going to tell you that. Uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to make everybody sound bad. I mean, I do produce podcasts for other people for money. Um, and Brandon, our technical director, just chimed in and said he's obviously charging us too little if somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if somebody's doing that editing and that all that production work for you, that absolutely you need to be paying for that time. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing it for yourself, if you're doing every bit of it, you can do it for a couple bucks and a lot of time. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Jerry, you said something a moment ago about a real fan. And I do want to talk about the the ugliness of that phrase a little bit later. As we talk about fandom, as we talk about uh, women in fandom, well, generally anybody in fandom who might have come across that. But one thing I want to do really quickly, because anything can happen on Mission Log Live. Literally anything can happen on Mission Log Live. I'm looking at the feed here, and uh, Tracy Lee Coco, Lieutenant J herself, has said, women at warp, call me. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, we actually, um, we uh, were lucky enough to interview uh, Patricia Tallman at last year's Star Trek Las Vegas. And we have you on our list, Tracy. We would love to chat with you about women in stunts and in Star Trek more generally. Fantastic. Uh, Some other people chiming in. uh, uh, James says, Dr. Zayas, word jujitsu or Kirk, word jujitsu, who would win? Um, I, that's, mm, that's tough. I, I think the fact that Kirk can talk down a computer is, uh, maybe gives him the edge. Uh, but Dr. Zayas is uh, powerful and has dreamy eyes. Um, so a lot of other people chiming in and, uh, I, absolutely agreeing with you the yeti is great and um a lot of other people who are oh there we go tracy roll right okay so hopefully we'll have tracy connected to the Ooh. women at work before too long uh we do have a caller waiting patiently his name is brian let's go ahead and bring brian in brian are you there hello hi john how are you today hey good how are you brian hello everyone i'm very well thanks wonderful very well, uh, thanks. it's nice to talk to you yeah, absolutely. You have a, a comment or a question for uh, for the women at Warp? Well, I do. Actually, the reason why I wanted to join tonight, and I'm not sure if this would be if this would be rude, but I actually had um, had some feedback about about this past week's episode of Mission Log, um, the storyteller. Mm. I, I don't know if that's appropriate to uh, to bring up now where we have guests. I, it, like we said, anything can happen on Mission Log Live. Uh, you get to drive, you get to steer. And I would say that both Jera and Sue probably have some opinions on DS9. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and lay it on us about the storyteller. Well, I should hope so, because I was I was actually, you know, having listened to Mission Log since the beginning, um, 
it was a little bit, um, I was surprised to hear John and Ken, you, you both say that you wanted, uh, the, the custom of the storyteller and the, uh, the Dal rock to, to end. Um, and now you're wishing for Kirk to come in and, and sort of, uh, just blow the whole thing up. Um, <laughs> But I'm curious, you know, because because I think one of the powerful things in that episode that we didn't talk about was the power of storytelling itself. And I think that that's a lot of what the episode was about. And I think that, you know, just uh, blowing the whole thing up kind of throws out that power of storytelling that that the uh, the priest or whatever he is has sort of brought to the village. Um, so I was surprised to see to hear you guys dismiss it so quickly um, when I think it definitely has value for the village, maybe even more value than, you know, the theaters of all, or like, the, what was it? The return of the archons, that computer that controlled everything that Kurt blew up. I, I tell you, I, I'll say my piece really quickly and that I would love to, uh, to hear everybody else's opinion on this. Um, I, I'll absolutely meet you halfway here, Brian, because uh, mm. the, the power of storytelling is a central part of that episode. And look, we're on this show tonight. You have four people who, spend huge portions of their week talking about stories. So mm-hmm. we, we are all intimately familiar with the power of storytelling. Uh, so I, I do agree with you. And, and the point that I was trying to make in our discussion about it was that the actual message in that story was very valuable. The message that the people in that Bajoran village should get along. They should not destroy each other. This was all extremely valuable the place where I part ways with the episode is that they continue to live a lie. Um, I, I fall down on the side of saying there, there is in this case, at least a, a truth with a capital T somebody in that village, the Syrah and the, uh, the, the younger, the Syrah to be know the secret. They know why the Dal rock exists. They know what it does. They know how to defeat it. They have all of this at their disposal. And what I wanted to see is somebody else from the village say, hey, we do this thing for five days out of the year and it nearly kills us. Is there maybe an angle that we're not looking into? Is there, hmm. some, is there some other angle we're not exploring here so that, A, we don't have to live in fear and B, we actually benefit from the knowledge gained by knowing the truth about what's affecting us. Like, if I were to say, uh, you know, a thousand years ago uh, that I, I live somewhere and I see a tornado coming. Well, a thousand years ago, I don't have the tools at my disposal to understand that this is a naturally occurring weather phenomenon. Here's how it happens with low pressure and high pressure. Here's the kind of damage it can do. It comes at this season and I can get out of the way go somewhere else it doesn't happen now in the 21st century we understand that there is a reason that that happens we understand the truth with a capital t behind it and we don't have to ascribe another meaning to it but Mm. that said the fact that tornadoes exist the fact that they're dangerous the fact that people can actually band together if they are in danger of something happening from one that's actually a good lesson that is a good moral to be taken from the potential disaster of that, to say that we should help each other out. So I'm sorry, I, I've rambled a bit there, and I apologize to everybody else on the show with me. Uh, guys, take it away. Storyteller. Um, well, I'll just go a tiny bit further. I'm a huge uh, fan, obviously, of the power of storytelling as well. In fact, uh, this week's episode, Progress, uh, which you haven't had a chance to hear yet, but John and I just heard it very recently, um, is a lot about the power of storytelling, honestly. And and it was done in a really a beautiful way that that moved me deeply, just the way those stories were told. Keep the storyteller if you want to, but change the story. Mm. I, five years ago, we were all fighting, and we were all fighting to such an extent that it felt like we were going to tear ourselves apart. So you know what I did? I did this thing, and we all came together. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that we can all come together. So why don't we uh, you know, turn off the noise machine, turn off the smoke machine, and go ahead and start building a better future for ourselves and for each other. I mean, the problem wasn't mm-hmm. about storytelling by any stretch of the imagination. A good story can rally people. It's what it does there. It's that they... They manufacture the beast and then they keep that beast running to scare people into doing the right thing. Tell a story where people do the right thing because it's the right thing to do instead of telling a story where people do the right thing because if they don't, they're going to die. I mean, it's, mm. and, and, and they're sort of the same thing, except then he brings in the big scary monster that they created to, to make that 
to make that real because it's not real without them having done it. And then, of course, I do worry about the priest class that sort of gets raised up by that because, you know, food, drink and and uh, and companionship just given for free because he's the only guy that can save them. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. the other problem that I have with mm-hmm. it. They can't save themselves. He's the only guy who can lead them to salvation. And no, he's mm-hmm. not. In fact, he's the one that's keeping them at risk. And maybe it's time to move on. Ken, it's funny. I, actually, I was thinking back to that episode, and, and, and you disagreed with my use of the term blind faith. But I, I think I'll actually stick by my guns on that one, because to <laughs> me, just the, the very idea that nobody in the village is taking that extra step to say, what actually is at the root of this here? Why does this keep happening every year? And what is the next thing that we can do so we don't keep facing this and throwing all of our, um, uh, giving up all the power that we have to these priests who, as you point out, are kind of abusing the system. Um, Sue, Jara, storyteller, DS9. How do we well, feel about it, it? it? It's been a while since I have rewatched that full episode. Um, I recall feeling like the there were some nice moments in it. I think that um, O'Brien does well when he is he starts out um, being very. Uh, skeptical about a situation or um, being very challenged to think about a pers- of a situation from other people's points of view. And I think that that is a good dynamic um, for him. But um, yeah, I, I guess um, what I like about other episodes uh, that have sort of similar dynamics around um, particularly like more quote unquote primitive communities that um, have um, rituals is um, you know, I'm thinking about like who watches the watchers or um, even like thine own self that there's um, just like little sparks at the end that like, this isn't going to be the way it is forever, that there are people that are starting to awaken to science and to um, the possibilities of uh, working together um, rationally. And that doesn't mean giving up stories, but it means sort of not letting them take over your whole life or put your community in danger, things like that. So it's not like hundred percent perfect for me. <laughs> Sue. Yeah, one of the weird things about this episode is that it's just this little Juran enclave where just this group of people believes these stories. It's a little bit strange on a planet that we know is more developed, that it's warp capable, that has, can do so many other things. Um, so while you can certainly have a discussion about the power of story from this episode, for me, the, the main discussion would be myth versus logic or myth versus science. Cause that's what I think that they're, they're, they're coming up to, you know, do we still believe this or do we figure out what scientifically, what astronomically, what meteorologically is causing this and deal with it that way? Uh, Brian, I, it, you, you have absolutely nailed what Mission Log and what Mission Log is all about, which is that you called in to carry on the conversation, which is what we have always wanted since the beginning of Mission Log. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. Um, I, do, you, do you happen to be a convention goer? Do you go to Vegas or Comic-Con or anything like that? I have The last time I was at a convention was Probably, I would say the early '90s, and I'm hoping to hoping to be in Vegas this year if I can swing it. Oh, fantastic! Uh, mm. Please come by the Roundtable mm-hmm. table because uh, at least three fourths of this panel tonight will be there. Well, that's fantastic. I would love to meet you guys. I know. I'm I'm sure that if I get to Vegas, I will. Nice. Thanks so much. Have a great evening, Brian. Sure. sure. Thank you. It's nice talking to you guys. You take care. Cheers. Bye bye. Take care. So we have uh, just a whole other questions that we're going to get to in a moment. And we may actually have um, somebody wandering around who has a question as well. But we have a little bit of business that we want to do first, don't we, Mr. Champion? I love doing business every now and then. Not not, not all the time, but a little bit of business here and there I'm good with. You're like our business guy, kind of. A little bit. A little bit. So we want to remind you about the shop that we have conveniently located at missionlogpodcast.com. What you do, you see, is you get you them, one of them internet machines mm. and you point it to missionlogpodcast.com. And then up at the top, you'll see a bunch of stuff. One of the things you'll see is shop. And if you click on that, 
uh, you can just go there and you can shop. Uh, what kind of stuff can people shop for, John? Oh, Ken, the fun doesn't end. You can get isolinear, John and Ken, which oddly enough is how we existed before we turned into this podcast form that you see before you. We have Carbon Chauvinism, the new design with the Da Vinci twist. There's a new dance I'm working on, too. And uh, we have your favorite lieutenant and mine, Jay, who, uh, again, was watching and sported that very shirt to the last convention appearance that uh, she did. Hi, Tracy. Uh, we have Bonk Bonk on the Head since 1966. We have the tribute to the late great Nova Squadron, Ditalix Mining Corporation, uh, old fr- favorites like Cool as Kirk, uh, my favorite, Ethos Pathos Logos. So much stuff, Ken, so much. And we add new stuff all the time. Yes, we do. In fact, um, I didn't get to tell you, but I was actually emailing Carl a little bit earlier and uh, he thinks the uh, Silicon Supporter shirt is ready to go. So, you know, yeah, better than uh, shirts versus skins. It's the carbon chauvinist versus the uh, Silicon Supporters. And we're just going to, you know, get together and whale in Vegas or wherever we happen to see each other. Uh, So not only can you get all that stuff on shirts, like we were talking about, you can get them on mugs, you can get them on stickers, you can get them on tapestries, you can get them on notebooks, uh, just tons of stuff to check out. And, you know, you have your own uh, seen almost nowhere else track stuff. So missionlogpodcast.com, then click shop and then, um, you know, let your geek flag fly. As it were, uh, Chris Condon says, if I get a shirt, will I look like Dan Davidson? And is that a good thing? <laughs> Dan yeah. doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Chris, we'll leave it up to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, go check that out and do that stuff. And please, uh, one other thing, we'd love it if you actually just sort of like did a, like a picture or something uh, to let us see you sporting the stuff because, you know, that would just uh, do our hearts good as well. Uh, we have, we have uh, calls and things and stuff, and we would love to have people call in six, six, nine, nine hundred six, eight, three, three is the phone number to call six, six, nine, nine hundred six, eight, three, three. And of course um, you can also do a video call or if you happen to just be, I don't know, in the next room and want to wander in. <laughs> <laughs> like this young oh, man. Wait a minute. I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about Sue's cat. Oh, no. Well, Sue's cat is welcome to answer a question as well. Uh, for those okay. of you who don't know, this is Rod. Rod I got a big mic in my face. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Here. Oh, it's gross. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, been nasty. In my ear, and now nasty. it's in here. Oh, Isn't that great? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I wanted to jump in here because I had a question for you guys, the, the women at Warp. I admittedly haven't heard all of your shows, um, but I've heard a few. And there's, there, I, I've always wanted to, to ask um, sexuality in Star Trek. God, this mic is right in my... <laughs> <laughs> like, sexuality in Star Trek, uh, particularly TOS, you know, the short skirts, that sort of thing. Um, you know, there, there's been this idea that, that, you know, I think my father sort of had, and I think it was sort of a, a retconning of the short skirts, which is, you know, in the future, women will, you know, own their sexuality. They'll wear short skirts and, and revealing clothing because they're pr- proud of their bodies and, and they want to show them off. And they actually know how to manipulate men and, and they can use it to their advantage. Not, not in a grotesque sort of way, but, but it's just, it's just, it's not a thing. They, they, it's not a stereotype that they're, 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 they're getting out there. They're, they're actually just trying to own themselves. And I, I kind of wondered, like, how do you guys feel about that? Cause, cause today, you know, some people say women who wear uh, low cut blouses or, or short skirts, they're perpetuating the stereotype. They're, they're, they're in, in, not encouraging men, but stupid men, horrible men, rotten men to, to cat call and do those sorts of things. I guess my question is now and the future should, what is your, your point of view on revealing clothing and women using and owning their sexuality? I mean, where does that fit? I don't know if that question made any sense, but. And and I guess to the point, Rod, where where does that fall into Star Trek? Because as you pointed out, we have 50 years of sort of justifying what we saw on screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I of course want to bring it back to today. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let the ladies talk. Mm-hmm. You want to start, Jarrah? 
sure. Okay. Well, um, just purely looking at today, um, I really like that the uniforms have just become a little bit more functional looking for everybody. Um, I, you know, imagining, uh, you know, when you're like a kid, imagining yourself going off on away missions and then you actually try like walking around in high heels and you're like, I don't know that those two things work together. Also pockets are great. So, um, (laughs) like I actually quite like the enterprise uniforms. I also like the uh, discovery uniforms a lot. Um, so I, I'm glad like things have just gotten a little bit more functional so that it feels a little bit more realistic to what you'd actually need to get the job done. Um, but I think that when you go back to the original series, it's definitely like there's no one right answer. And if you go back to a lot of the interviews at the time with women, including women on the show like Nichelle Nichols and Grace Lee Whitney, um, they did say like, we felt that this was empowering and this was the era of like the sexual revolution and the miniskirt was a sign of empowerment. Um, but there were also like, there were some women fans who wrote in and said, I don't know that I feel super cool about this. So the the opinion wasn't unified at the time, um, but it certainly isn't 100% a no-go. Um, there were some very... Uh, I think powerful signals that were sent by you can have this woman who's in a professional respected position on the bridge. Um, and it doesn't matter that she's wearing a mini skirt, I think in some episodes at least. And at least in next generation, men got to wear skirts, at least the first couple episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Scant. <laughs> yes. Yes. They... It's making a comeback. Scant's making a comeback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah Ken, think... Ken will be wearing one at uh, Las Vegas. Don't worry. John did last year. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it would have been nice to see uh, the women of, of the original series have an option, especially mm-hmm. on like an away mission to put on pants, because that would be helpful. Um, and we've actually seen that sort of be retconned a little bit mm. in some of the novels, especially the the more recent ones. Um, the 50th anniversary set, Captain to Captain, um, had a whole section about the choice of, of wearing pants with the, the woman's uniform. Um, but in terms of like, the stuff you hear today about how women dress and what people say to them on the street. That's something we call slut shaming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not just we, but the world. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. what that is called. Uh, When you, you think you have the right to tell someone else how to dress Mm -hmm. and that how they're dressing is an excuse for certain behavior towards them. Um, Women and everyone has the right to dress exactly how they want to dress. And none of that is an invitation for lewd or crass behavior, period. Agreed. Yeah. And I think the key to making it work in Star Trek or other media is, um, and this is why I don't think that there's entirely an equivalency about like a woman in a mini skirt versus like Captain Kirk ripping off his shirt in an episode is that, um, the character needs to be defined. Oh no, my cats are in on it. Sorry. Uh, um, the, the character needs to be defined by more than their sexuality. So Captain Kirk has a lot of other dimensions other than the fact that he occasionally takes off his shirt. Um, and I think that when you look at some of the, especially the, you know, the love interest of the weak characters, they don't really have as much um, in all cases. Um, it's, you know, especially if you look at, um, uh, I'm thinking particularly of the uh, ensign or the yeoman who's killed in Wolf in the Fold that you like literally has no lines. She's just a dead body in a miniskirt, that kind of thing. Like those aren't equivalent. But if you have a character like Uhura who also has more dimension then that, um, it's just it's just part of who she is. It's not the defining trait of her character. I think it comes down to sexual agency, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that a character has her own choices and her own wishes regarding her sexuality and her, her sexual encounters. Um, and we actually did a whole episode on that about a year ago. So I'll look that up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Some great comments in the feed at the moment. People are uh, mentioning that, of course, number one. So in the cage, uh, an actress by the name of Majel Barrett uh, wore wore pants and and had that cool jacket that I still Mm. want. Uh, Just putting that out there to the world. I still want that jacket. Um, And and here's an interesting question. Carlos, uh, I believe you said, can you talk about judging TOS by today's standards? Um, Yeah. 
I, I think it's I think it's important that we do that because art art is uh, mutable. Art does not exist in a vacuum. And for me, I would put Star Trek up on a shelf next to other great works of literature, great works of art that try to address the human condition. I think we do ourselves a disfavor if we say, well, Star Trek only exists in that 1966 to 1969 period. And every comment, every commentary that we will make about it has to be filtered through what was happening then. Um, the whole reason that we do Mission Log, and, and Rod, you're the one who gave us the charge to do this, was to find the relevance. So I, I think it's very valuable to be able to look at a show that was made in the 60s. And just going by this one point that we're talking about now, uh, and say, you know what? The costumes were chosen for a reason. They were trying to push them boundaries. They were trying to make things look good on TV. And that's how there, there was sex appeal on those costumes. Too. I mean, appeal and, we, yeah. we can't well, hide behind the whole like they, they were definitely trying to sell something as well. But that's certainly that's mm -hmm. a different discussion. But then I think it's valuable 50 years later to look at that as well and say, well, how can we interpret that through 50 years of the feminist movement and uh, and second and third wave and what Star Trek has become in that time. Uh, I, I think if we didn't do that, if we only said, well, it was the 60s, I, I, I wouldn't want to do this show, to be quite honest. This is one of my favorite topics around Star Trek, um, and it's a field called hermeneutics. Word. But basically, it is you you hear it a lot in theological and biblical study but also in in literature and media more and more in in that you have to look at a piece of media from multiple perspectives what was the authorial intent or the the creator's intent what did it mean to audiences at the time that it was originally released and what does it mean to audiences now and all of that is a valuable thing to understand and to talk about but I think it's really important to realize that when for something like TOS, if you throw an excuse at it, like, oh, well, it was the 60s. Well, you know what? People watching it for the first time now don't have the lived experience of the 60s, and they're going to interpret it by today's standards. So we need to discuss it from that perspective as well. We can explain why those choices were made, but we're not going to excuse them because they came 50 or 52 years ago. And I, I think honestly that that is that is an explanation that people can hear when they take time to ask the question and when you have a chance to answer the question. Certainly, we've gotten a lot of negative feedback before John and I have of you know well it was the '60s and it's very it's very much a one way street right. They're upset that we're talking about it, so they're just going to like lob a rock as they're driving by, saying, "Well, it was just that time." Mm -hmm. I had a friend, and he is a very good friend of mine. He listened to Mission Log for a couple of years, and he actually asked me about that. And I got to say the same thing back to him. That was like there are women, um, women in particular, moms who come up to us and at, at Star Trek Las Vegas and say thanks because. I can play this show for my daughter, and she doesn't think we're just praising star trek and what it was and what it was was fine because i mean obviously we're not looking to i mean we love star trek as do you we're not talking about it because we hate it we're talking about it because we love it and yet there are some things about it that um that aren't necessarily things that we would want to see uh well now i won't even say aren't necessarily there's aren't things we would want to see presented the same way today I, uh, along those lines, I have a question, and this was actually, Rod and I were being interviewed on Public Radio International five years ago, six years ago. It was around the time that, um, that uh, Into Darkness came out. And somebody actually asked me specifically, and I really felt like I was in the hot seat. And so now I'm going to put everybody else there. <laughs> um, Riker. Riker was a particularly troublesome character for this person because she saw him as Kirk. She basically saw him as Kirk in the 1980s. And at the time, even though I had watched Star Trek years ago, I hadn't done like a hard study of next gen the way Rod and I were, Rod and I, the way John and I were doing it at the time. And, and so I sort of thought of him as sort of a transitional character in a way. My views on him has kind of have kind of changed a bit, but uh, I'm curious what, what you guys, because I don't know if you know this, but you have a different perspective than do I. <laughs> what is your take on what's your take on Riker? I mean, uh, looking at him today. Uh, the beard was an improvement. 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Um, uh, We we actually also, we did an episode on best male allies where we talked about, um, we had um, Alex Knapper, writer from Forbes, join us and and talk about um, what does it mean to be an ally to people who are, um, you know, in a more marginalized position and what, and who, which characters exemplify that on Star Trek. I would say Riker did not make our list, um, but Kirk actually was someone we talked about because there are occasions in the original series where he stands up and says, you know, no, that's not a woman, that's a crew member. And um, and there are, he's actually, when him and Ed Spock have conversations about the, like, the nature of women, Spock's actually the one who tends to be making these comments about how women are illogical in any culture and type, things like that. Um, so, uh, and Kirk is, I think, tends to be a little bit less... Um, I guess just uh, he he's pretty upfront with the the women he's going after, and generally, um, yeah, pretty forward, respectful of their agency. Um, Riker has a bit more um, cases where he is, you're just sort of okay. I'm not I'm not sure uh, where you're going with that, um, and and I just don't see as many cases of him really looking around him and seeing like who is here that needs support um, who's coming from a more marginalized perspective and how can I help them or how can I stand with them? And there's just not as many cases of that. I think the character of Riker definitely matures throughout the seven seasons of next gen. Um, and if I recall correctly, gets significantly better at seeking consent. Mm-hmm. So I'll certainly give him that. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he's uh, like comparing um, Troy and Riker um, in uh, TNG is, I think, a really illustrative case of the double standards around sexuality because you have episodes like the Masterpiece Society where Troy has to like tearfully apologize to Picard because she slept with a diplomat. And you cannot imagine the number of times that Riker would have had to apologize to Picard for sleeping with people he shouldn't have before that point. And yet it never seemed to be an issue. I, I, actually, I think I, I want to see that episode actually where at the end of every week, yeah, yeah. Where I can test to go in and be like, yeah, so listen. Um, uh, the whole game thing, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I'm so sorry. So sorry, Captain. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then Picard just reaches in and pulls out a stack of these apologies from his desk and says, yeah. It's really getting a little crazy after a while, isn't it? Hey, uh, really quickly, I want to remind people how they can get in because we have a few more minutes left in the show. Uh, you can, of course, uh, click the Zoom link or you can call 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833. Are you raising your hand? No, well, I just want to say thank you guys for letting me ask that question. I, I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but um, thank you so much for being a part of uh, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Uh, I, I just love having you guys here um, and love the perspective, as Ken said, that you're, you're bringing to things. It's we're, we're heavily weighted with dudes on this side of things and we need, we need other perspectives. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, I love being you. a part of it. Thanks guys. Well, Rod, Rod and Mary, I'm giving the camera back to you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what leave things, this one out. Is that okay? Is it? Yeah, yeah I, I totally understand. Um, <clears throat> I, I think just sort of uh, to, to wrap up what we're talking about here, you know, we, the, the four of us and the people that we work with beyond just these two podcasts, uh, because there are more women at warp than the two who are represented here. Um, every week and sometimes more than once a week. And then in person at conventions, we put ourselves out there to the world to say, here's why Star Trek is awesome. Here's why it's great. And here's why there's a message usually buried within any given episode of Star Trek that has relevance and meaning today that we should be paying attention to. And if we do that, it would be incredibly disingenuous of us to sort of wave our hands and sweep anything under the rug that was unsavory about those episodes, whether it's sexism or racism or, or uh, a political position that might be taken up in an episode that, that should, by all rights, make one of us stop and say, wait a minute, Star Trek's great and everything, but should they have maybe thought this one through a little bit differently? I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. 
Hey, uh, we have a lightning round coming up in a moment. I don't know if you uh, if you guys know what the lightning round is. I oh. certainly know that John didn't warn you about the fact we were going to do one. I did. Was I supposed? Wait, how man was I supposed to let everybody know about the lightning round this week? I don't see why you would start now. Okay. Yeah. Right. I just so slipped my mind. Yeah. That's coming up in a moment. But first, I want to remind you about something to do after this show. And, and this week, they're switching things up a bit. So it's immediately after this show or almost immediately after this show. Uh, one of the other shows from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, will be starting at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Each Tuesday, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony and... Quinters is back. They bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. Uh, that's TV and movie news, gaming news, literary reviews, plus just a ton of other stuff or a ton or tons, either or. They kick off as close as they can to the top of the hour now. So uh, don't go anywhere. I'm sorry. I hope you got a drink before the show started because we don't want you to go anywhere except to uh, facebook.com slash priority one podcast. That is facebook.com slash priority one podcast. And if it's getting too late for you to stay up tonight, uh, look for their show and download it wherever you download podcasts. Priority one, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, just just more and more and more Star Trek talk. Hey, so, Kim has a question. Kim, okay. are you there, Kim? Uh, yeah, I'm, he- I'm here. Hey, welcome to the show. Nice to see you again. What brings you around yeah. tonight? Do you have a question for uh, Women at War? Well, no, more more of a comment. It's uh, thank you for Women on War being there. I do listen, and uh, I like a lot of the perspective that you bring to a lot of the stuff that's going on with the women that have been portrayed. I, I got to say that uh, looking back at what was happening with Boy, in next gen, it was like, yeah, yeah, that today that was definitely abuse beyond belief, you know, <laughs> you know, um, and even with uh, Crusher, even the, the one episode with the thing where she went back to the planet and the, you know, the, the, the candle. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, there has been some of that. I, I'm glad to see that uh, Discovery is taking a little different turn on that. Um, and of course, you go back to with number one, right? With pants, I'm I'll, I'm all in with that, right? Because I I personally, you, you would never see me in a mini skirt. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, speaking of disco, uh, Gina wants to know favorite disco character. So I'll, I'll throw that to the panel and then to you as well, Kim. So, uh, Jara, favorite disco character? Uh, Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Sue? Saru. Mm. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Kim, nice. Waving just, yeah. <laughs> he's absolutely my favorite Discovery character. He's the most, he's, he, he's the, well, I was going to say he's the character I want to be, except I don't want to be that afraid, except I know that sometimes I am that afraid. And I love the fact that every week he, he, he spends every week, every moment of every week in fear and overcomes it. Is that, I mean, why Saru for you? And so, I hope I didn't say why. I mean, that's, that's very close. Saru is the closest analog that I have in Star Trek to the type of anxiety that I deal with slash suffer from. Uh, so it's, it's very real for me. And it's nice to have a character representing that who's not a joke as much as I love Reg Barkley. He's still a joke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kim? Um, I dare I say it, uh, Lorca. <laughs> yeah. I, I get yeah. it. I get it. And, and it's not because he's a good character. It's because Jason Isaacs nails that role and he's yeah, so awesome. Yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Oh, come on. Uh, Paul saying Saru with rice. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, not me, all character. No. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, thank you very much for calling in this evening and give us a call back again, okay? Okay, great. Thank you. 
So we have very few minutes and I promised a lightning round. So let's, we have to uh, pick and choose, I suppose. Um, and we'll go really quickly because, you know, lightning. Uh, favorite woman role model on Star Trek. Uh, let's go Sue first, then Jera on all of these, just so we don't have to keep picking. Okay. Dr. Crusher. Kira. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting on both counts. Uh, favorite Star Trek series. TNG. Uh, DS9. Okay. Uh, favorite Star Trek bad guy or bad gal, bad person, enemy. Antagonist? Sure. Q. You think I win. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, sorry. I, I, no, I, t- I, I violate the rules of the lightning round every time because people say something like, oh, tell me more. Wait. <laughs> In fact, I apologize. Kai Wen, you said, Jarrah. Kai Wen pre the liaison with with Bajor and Galdicott. <laughs> oh, wow, that's very specific. Very specific. Yeah, and then uh, again, in the last episode, she's okay too, but I, I try and pretend that other stuff didn't happen. It was okay. like, yeah. Okay, but a bit shout out for Jeffrey Combs because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite Star Trek starship, Sue? It's got to be the D. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, the uh, Phoenix is kind of cool. Whoa. Mm. Wow. All right. Uh, Sue, have you ever seen the animated series? Oh, yes. All of it. Ah, that's the correct answer. Jara? <laughs> uh, same here. I just made my boyfriend watch Mag- Magics of Magus 2 last night. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything more because we don't have time. It's late. kind of sat in stunned silence the whole time. <laughs> That's the correct response. Yeah. (laughs) Sue, who's the most underrated woman on Star Trek? Oh. Underrated. Kess. Ooh. Okay. All right. Uh, Yeah, I was actually going to say Kess, too. That's okay. You're going to have the same answers. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, Favorite technology from Star Trek? Transporter. Uh, yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, finally, the question we always ask, because we always forget to think of a different one. Uh, have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have a postcard from Vulcan, Alberta, Canada that was sent to me by Jera. Oh, so no. My okay. answer is yes. I guess it would have <laughs> On a road trip across the country. And it was the best place I stopped. Wow. Very cool. Very cool. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking somebody said that we should actually petition them to bring us there because yeah. we talk about it a lot. I, my guess is we talk about Vulcan, Alberta, Canada uh, more than people in Vulcan, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty great. Their whole city council's got the uniforms and everything. And um, I mean, it's not quite up to where it was when they first did the rebrand and a lot there's some unfortunately some stores and museums and stuff still moving out of there but um there's still a good heart to the community and the visitor center is really cool and got spock statue and leonard nimoy handprints and stuff so it's good uh carlos just asked if we're three for three i think uh between jara and uh chase and john tenuto uh, yes. But, but we did have Vic in between there. So we, we need to get Vic to Alberta. Maybe he can come along when we do the Mission Log Road Show. <laughs> and, um, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Do you know anybody who might be able to green like that, John? Uh, we'll work on it. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm pulling for the cruise next. Um, but uh, speaking of appearances and uh, far-flung dreams for your podcast, Jara and Sue, where can our listeners find you? Other than obviously podcast.roddenberry.com. Tell us about any upcoming convention appearances and uh, where on the web they might find you as well. I'll let Sue take that one because she's got <laughs> the next upcoming convention appearances and she can give you the lowdown on where to find women at work. Yeah, I will actually be at a convention this weekend uh, on Long Island. If anybody is heading to Eternal Con, I will be there. I'm sharing a booth with a friend, so there will be a place to find me. When I find out where that is, I'll put it on Twitter. Um, uh, but after that confirmed, we have Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, there's a possibility I'll be at FlameCon, which is an LGBT plus con in New York. Uh, Mid-August, Dragon Con, New York Comic Con. There are a lot of cons in the Northeast, and I go to many of them. <laughs> but uh, online, you can find us at womenatwork.com. That's where our blog is. That's where all our, our show notes are. 
uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is also Women at War. There are honestly so many questions that I wanted to get to tonight. Like I wanted to get more. I mean, I know we talked about favorite characters on Discovery, but that Discovery, I feel like we could almost do at least half a show, if not more. And I, uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to that. Also, I started with the podcast thing and said, and we'll get to how you got into science fiction. And then we never did. But unfortunately, uh, we've kind of hit the end. So uh, without asking show, John, live show. I know. Whatever we want. Yeah, I know. So without Just asking John, I am. I'm, well, I'm going to ask. No, we can't because, you know, uh, Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast starts in a couple of minutes. It would be really rude to be like, go watch them. Not really. <laughs> um, but I would love it to have it if, if, uh, if I would love it if you guys would uh, would come back again sometime so we could do uh, a whole lot more. Anytime. Absolutely. Never Very forget. Cool. Pulaski Bangrecker's dad. Uh, really? <laughs> I, I, I did that for Aaron. I did that for Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. On that happy so. note, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks. The underpaid Brandon Bradley producer. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at Warp as seen on Mission Log Live, uh, Priority One, the Trek Files, and so much more when more happens. Thanks to everybody who joined us live. Thanks to everybody who joined us later. And we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.